This is Jimmy DeYoung, and I'm so thrilled that you could take a few moments to join with us for a Bible study. I have in my hand here Ishmael's Islamic Invasion. This is a study of what is indeed the legacy of Ishmael, the first son of Abraham. Ishmael did not start the Arab world. He was not the father of all of the Arab nations. Now, we'll study that in this particular series. It's a five-hour series on Ishmael's Islamic invasion, and I tell you how Ishmael played a key role in the Islamic faith of today. Well, this five-hour CD audio series is available to you. I'll tell you how you can get your copy of it in just a moment. But right now, if you will, take a few moments and let's listen to an introduction to Ishmael's Islamic invasion. Go to chapter 10. Well, chapter 9 first. This 6, 7, and 8 in Genesis is Noah and the flood. Chapter 9 is Noah after the flood. Look at chapter 9, verse 1. I'm just setting a foundation, folks. You've got to understand. Look, I know we're laboring through some things, maybe as old hat to you. But, folks, you've got to have this as a basis for understanding what Satan's strategy is today. And so I'm setting the base for you. Chapter 9, after the flood, God goes to Noah. Noah, here's your assignment. God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. There's the command. By the way, that was the first command God gave to Adam, chapter 1, verse 28. Now he gives the command to Noah, his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jebeth, their four wives, and these eight living souls, the only eight living souls left on the earth after the worldwide judgment of the flood, He says, be fruitful, multiply, and repeople the earth. You know what he does? He gives him human government in order to govern the people. Look at verse 6. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. And so he establishes human government. That's called capital punishment. And capital punishment, I don't have to debate the politicians, capital punishment is an absolute biblical truth. It is what God sets up. And without capital punishment, we don't have human government. Because the highest responsibility of human government is the taking of a life because that person has taken a life. Why is capital punishment right? Because it's blasphemy against Almighty God. In my image I made thee man, and you destroy man, you're blaspheming me. It's in my face. You're out of here if you do that. So he sets up human government, and he has a command to go forth and to fill the earth. Verse 1 of chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 1. And here's the beginning of, uh, of at least the obedience that God told uh, Noah and his three sons to be involved in. Now, these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. Verse 2, the sons of Jepheth. Verse 6, the sons of Ham. Let's follow the sons of Ham just for a moment. Chapter uh, 10, verse 6. And the sons of Ham, Cush. By the way, Cush. Modern-day Ethiopia, Sudan, and Somalia. Well, by the way, this is 500 years before Abraham. That'll destroy the fact that uh, these newscasters tell us all the Arab world comes from Abraham. I just mentioned three Arab countries, Ethiopia, Sudan, and Somalia. That's Cush. Uh, The next one is Mizram. Uh, That's Egypt. The next one is Put. That's Libya. Well, I'll not trace that anymore, but look at Cush. So Cush is a grandson of Noah. Now go to verse 8. And Cush begot Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one in the earth. So now Cush 
is having a son, and he has Nimrod, and Nimrod is a great-grandson of Noah. And the begin, uh, in verse 9, and he was a mighty hunter before the Lord, whereof it is said, even as Nimrod the mighty hunter before the Lord. Verse 10, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. And where's Babel? Well, the last part of verse 10 says, in the land of Shinar. Well, where's Shinar? Well, that's Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia, oh yes, that means the, sea, the two rivers. Well, what two rivers? The Tigris and the Euphrates River. Well, then Mesopotamia, where the Tigris and Euphrates are located, in the land of Shinar, the Shinar must be the plains between these two rivers. That's correct. And what are we talking about then? That's modern-day Iraq. Modern-day Iraq is where Nimrod went to establish his kingdom. Do you see what it says in verse 10? And the beginning of his kingdom was in Babel. Babel is located on the Euphrates River. If you have a map, look at it sometime. The Euphrates comes down in, uh, in, in the west, and the Tigris comes down in the east, and they join together there, and then they flow into the Persian Gulf. Where they join together, go about oh, 60 miles up north towards Baghdad. And there's where Babel is located, or what we know today as Babylon. That's where Nimrod went. Now, chapter 11, they were all of one speech, and I do believe it was Hebrew. We'll not debate that, but I do believe it was Hebrew because I just gave you the names of the peoples. Those are all Hebrew names. Moses was writing what God gave him, and he's speaking in Hebrew. Okay, now, chapter 11, verse 1, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found the plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Let us go up and make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and they had slime for mortar. And then look at verse 4. Here's the key verse. This is the next method. His first strategy was confusion. His second strategy was contamination. Now his third strategy is going to be to take control. God had given human government by which to govern mankind on the earth. Prior to that, he had said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. They start having children. Along comes a great-grandson of Noah who got that direct command from God, and Nimrod, instead of doing what God had told his great-granddaddy to do, decided to take all of mankind over to the plains of Shinar in modern-day Iraq to the Euphrates River at a place called Babel and establish civilization. They weren't going to be spread upon the face of the earth. That's what verse 4 says. Look what it says here, verse 4. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. You see, what did God say? Be scattered upon the whole earth. Repeople the earth. What does Nimrod say? We're going to build us a city. We're going to build us a tower that reaches into heaven, lest we be scattered upon the whole earth. We're not going to do what What does it mean? Let us make us a name. Now that doesn't mean we're going to be the most famous of all the world. They are the only civilization in the world. The peoples of the world were not divided until after God comes down, confuses their language, and then they're scattered to the four corners of the earth. Back in chapter 10, verse 25, it says, In the days of Peleg, another great-grandson of Noah, the son of Shem, in those days was the earth divided. 
Some think it was actually physically divided. It was all one landmass until that time. You look at the way the continents fit together like the pieces of a puzzle. I kind of lean that way myself. But what I do know for sure, the earth wasn't divided by humankind until the days of Peleg, and that was after Nimrod came on the scene. It was when God came down, confused their languages, and scattered them. Until that time, Satan's subtle strategy, I'll take control. What had he observed in the garden? He observed that God gave Adam dominion. Now what is he doing? He's replicating the same thing. He takes all of humankind, goes to Babel, and says, I'm going to establish a one world government. Let us make us a city. That's government. That's what God had given them. I'm going to make me a one world government. I'll be the head of it. I'll have dominion over it. And then he says, let us build us a tower that reaches into heaven. The last place they wanted to go was heaven. And the name they were talking about was, we don't like the name Jehovah God. We want another name. We'll all develop our own God. How about Marduk? The God of the Babylonians. We don't want to be scattered upon the face of the earth. We don't want to do what God said to do. So what he does at Babel is Nimrod establishes a one-world government and a one-world religion. May I remind you of a couple of things? Some of you have already heard me. Some of you there last night, I spoke on this. But let me just refresh your mind. Repetition only teaches. Listen. That one-world religion was a mother-son cult. In other words, the mother and the son got equal worship. Nimrod had a wife. Her name was Semiramis. They had a son. His name was Tammuz. You've read about both of them in the Bible. Semiramis is, as her title indicates in Jeremiah 7 and 44, the queen of heaven. Kind of heard of that also today. By the way, you know what it says in Jeremiah 7? Jeremiah, don't you even pray for the worshipers of the queen of heaven. Don't pray for them. Can you imagine that? God says don't pray for somebody to get right. Don't pray for them. By the way, you know how they worshiped? Chapter 44 says they took uh, hard-boiled eggs and they painted them. And then they hid them for the kids to find. And the kids would go out in their little baskets and pick up the hard-boiled colored eggs. That's a pagan religious experience. Sound familiar? Oh, they had hot cross buns as well. That's all in the scriptures. I'm not making something up. That's the queen of heaven who God told Jeremiah, don't you even pray for the worshipers of the queen of heaven, Semiramis. By the way, Tammuz was mentioned in the Bible too. The book of Ezekiel chapter 8. God brings Ezekiel back to Jerusalem, goes into the temple, all the portraits of idolatrous objects on the wall, and he looks over there. You can read it in chapter 8. He looks over there and he sees a convent of virgins worshiping Tammuz. The mother-son cult established at Babel. 
and Nimrod, the beginning of his kingdom. By the way, that's the first time kingdom is used in the Bible. That means Nimrod is the first king mentioned in the Bible. He establishes himself as the ruler of a one-world government and the ruler of a one-world religion. Thank you so very much for joining us for this Bible study. Ishmael's Islamic Invasion is a five-hour CD audio series available to you. This study will look at Satan's dominion strategy, Ishmael's true legacy, Islam's satanic trio, the Islamic Invasion, and Islam the final solution. Those would be the five parts to this five-hour CD audio series, Ishmael's Islamic Invasion. If you'd like to have a copy of this, you can see how to purchase it by going to our website, www.prophecytoday.com. Go to our shopping mall, and there they'll show you how you can follow through and get your own personal copy. Or you can call our toll-free number. It's 877-674-3298. We have people standing by. They will take your order. Once again, that number, 877-674-3298. It's toll-free from all across America. Be sure to understand how Islam will play a key role in the end times. You must have your copy of Ishmael's Islamic Invasion. Go and find out how you can get your copy either to the website or call the toll-free number. This is Jimmy DeYoung thanking you for joining us right now. Hey, everything we've talked about and even that introduction to Ishmael's Islamic invasion gives us evidence that the rapture of the church could take place at any moment. And having said that, nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up until...